Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on August 25th, 2013. Today's message is titled, God's Work in Us, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, and is based on scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Our God in heaven, we thank you for your word that speaks to us day after day, if we are willing to listen, and if we have ears to hear. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord be with you. I do realize that this is uh, perhaps a bit of an odd sermon. Um, I know that it's uh, certainly been a challenge for me to discern over this week what God uh, would have me to say. Uh, But just want to encourage you that whatever your thoughts are, your emotions are right now, I would encourage you to come today and to hear God's word for his people. We're coming today as God's people now to hear from him. Uh, We're not here today to hear Pastor Ryan's last sermon. Uh, We're here today to hear from God. And so I would encourage you to come today as we listen uh, to God's word. This morning, my, my sermon is very simple. Uh, Following the example of Paul and the scripture that Adrian read for us, there are three things that I want to do. I want to thank you, I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you. I want to thank you, I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you. And I'm going to have to stop that right now, (laughs) otherwise I'll never make it through this. Uh, There's a city in northern Greece called Philippi, and it was one of the first churches that Paul planted. And throughout his missionary journeys, Paul returned to Philippi, and he spent a significant amount of time there. And it's very obvious throughout his letters that the church at Philippi had a very special place in Paul's heart. Throughout Paul's ministry, the church at Philippi supported him in ways that no other church did. Whenever Paul had a financial need, The Philippians heard about it, and they provided for him. Whenever he needed help from people in his ministry, people from Philippi sent people to help him. Whenever Paul needed prayer, the church of Philippi prayed. The church in Philippi was a true partner in the gospel ministry with Paul. And it's very evident in this letter, in the words that he writes to them, how very special they were to him. In this letter, he writes almost no words of rebuke or correction at all. And we know if we read Paul's other letters that that's really saying something. Paul's always challenging, rebuking, correcting. In the book of Philippians, almost none of those words at all. When he does have a few words of correction for two members of the church in Philippi, Eudaia and Syntyche, who seem to be at odds with one another for some reason, He does not rebuke them, and he does not command them to get along. Instead, he says, I plead with you to get along with one another. He speaks to them as if they are mature adults in the faith. He doesn't speak to them as if they are children like he does in some of the other letters, like, say, in Corinthians. He speaks to them as if they are mature adults in the faith, coming alongside him in his gospel ministry. And when Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, he is in Rome and he is in prison. And he's nearing the very end of his ministry, and he thinks he may even be ending the end of, coming to the end of his life. 
And the people in Philippi have heard that Paul is in prison. And once again, these faithful people come through for Paul. They send one of their very own leaders, Epaphroditus, to go off to Rome in order to care for Paul and to take care of his needs. Even when Paul is in prison, when he is considered an enemy of the Roman state, of the Roman Empire, at a time when it would have been very easy for them to distance themselves from Paul and to not seem as if they were uh, in league, uh, partners with this guy, Instead, at that time, they aligned themselves with him all the more by sending one of their own to take care of him. The Philippians came through for Paul this one more time, and he writes them this letter to thank them and to encourage them and to challenge them to keep on living a life of faithfulness to Christ. And so this morning, I want to do the same. I want to thank you, I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you. The first church where my dad was a pastor was in a small little town in southern Michigan called Clark Lake, Michigan. Uh, It's a small little town and a small little church. And over the years, my parents have often looked back uh, fondly at their time at Clark Lake. And one of the stories that my parents have told uh, my brother and I many times is uh, some words that someone in the congregation said to him on the day that he announced that he was leaving. Dr. Van Wagnen came up to my dad and he said to him, in your ministry, you're going to go to many places. You're going to serve in many different churches. But you will never go to a church who loved you as much as we did. I suspect that Katie and I are going to feel the same way about Ebenezer. So thank you for being our family here, as we've been so far away, uh, for supporting us and loving us. Thank you for bearing with me as a young pastor seeking to find his way. Over the last couple months, as you know, I've been reading through some of my old sermons, and some of them are really bad. And I just really thank you for bearing with me uh, as a young pastor. For being an example of a faithful church that passes on a legacy of faith. We have four and five generation families here at Ebenezer. That's an amazing thing. So thank you for your example of faithfulness. To the Philippians, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul cannot think about the Philippians without thanking God for them. I am thankful to you and for our time here and the things that we've learned about ourselves, the things we've learned about God, and the things we've learned about ministry. So thank you. Thank you for being who you are and for your encouragement and support over these years. I also want to encourage you. Here in Philippians, we find those familiar words, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. God is at work in you, Ebenezer. He is at work in you. And he will be faithful to complete whatever work he has for you until the day that he comes. 
One of the encouragements that I've always had and held on to here at Ebenezer is the stories that you all have told me about previous pastors that were here and the way that they led you and the way that they built up the church in their own way. And so as I've looked back on the past and I've kind of seen and I've heard these stories and I've been able to kind of place myself uh, in the story that God has been telling here at Ebenezer and I've been able to see how the gifts and skills that I bring as a pastor, the gifts and skills and passions that I have, how that fits into this story at Ebenezer. It's been one of the things that I've often held on to. And I'm confident that God has a pastor for you in this next phase. That whatever work those, uh, those men as pastors have done in the past and the other leaders, the men and women that they have done in the past, and whatever work that God has enabled me to do here, that God has prepared the way for the next person who is coming. I am confident that God has the right person for you to be there in the next journey that God has for Ebenezer. I am really excited by the search committee that's been put together. The nine of these men and women are a great representative, great representatives of this body. I'm very excited and confident in the work that they're going to do. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. This is true of our congregation, and I want to say it's true of each of you as believers. It's true of each of you as believers. God is doing a good work in you as you seek him. As you read his word and as you seek to respond to him, he is at work in your life. One of the greatest things that my dad has always said about uh, being a pastor is getting to know the intimate stories of people's lives. And that's one of the hardest things as well as one of the greatest joys about being a pastor. And so I've been able to see in so many of your lives how God has been at work, uh, growing you up in him. And you, as you have sought him, have turned around and you have taught me so many things about what it means to follow Jesus. God is at work in us. He is at work in the church, bringing about the work that he wants us to do. This morning, I also want to challenge you, and this is where I want to spend a good portion of our time this morning. I want to challenge you. And the words of challenge come from Paul's prayer for the Philippians in verses 9 through 11. Paul says this, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays that in the Philippian church that their love may abound. And this is really the phrase that I want to focus on for the rest of our time today, that your love may abound. That is, he prays that their love may increase more and more and more for one another and for God. He prays this, remember, for the Philippian church, the church that has shown him more love than any other church that he knows. This is the church that has come through for him time and time again, has loved him and showed him what it means to be a people of love. This is the church that Paul says to them and prays for them, I pray that you would abound, that you would increase more and more in love. There is still room for the Philippian church to grow. 
still places in their lives as individuals and as a community where they need to learn more what it means to love, that they may increase in love for God and one another. And so my prayer for you and my challenge to you as a congregation today is very simple. Love God and love each other. Love God and love each other. I pray that Ebenezer would be a church that would learn to increase in love, to abound in love, to grow in love for God and love for each other. And as we know in the scriptures, these two things, love for God and love for one another, they're always bound up and tied up together. Uh, The writer in 1 John says, Anyone who does not love his brother who he can see cannot love God who he does not see. So you must love your brother. If you want to be a congregation that grows in your relationship with Christ, you must be a congregation who learns to love one another. Now, what is love? What is love? Uh, We certainly live in a world that tells us certain things about what it means to love. Uh, To love someone often means that there is something, we think, it means that it's something, there is something inside this other person or something about this other person that we like, and so we have certain feelings toward them because of who they are, because of their character, because of who they are as an individual. When we think about love, we often think that our love for the other person should be in proportion to how good that person is or how much that person does for us or uh, how much we just like who that person is. But that is not what the Bible says about what it means to love at all. In the Bible, love has nothing to do with anything that is in the other person. Love is something that comes from the good, from the love that God has put in you, that then goes out to the other person no matter how much you like them or how much you think they deserve to be loved or how lovable they seem to you. Love is not about who the other person is. Love comes from God who is in you that overflows to that other person no matter who they are. 1 John 4, 9-10 through 10 says that God showed his love among us by sending his son into the world so that we can live. By sending his son into the world so that he could be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he did this when there was nothing lovable about us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were his enemies, Christ died for us. This is the picture of love. For God, love is never about self-interest. Love is never primarily about a feeling that wells up in us because of something good that we see or observe in the other person. Love is something that comes out of us because God lives in us and because he loves the other person in front of us. Love comes from God. Love leads us not to consider our own interests, our own feelings, our own desires, but true love is all about seeking the interest of the other, even those who are not like us, even those who we perhaps do not like and who we do not see as very lovable. This is the kind of love that I challenge you to at Ebenezer. This is the kind of love that you are to seek to live out among one another here at Ebenezer. I want you to consider your life. 
Consider the ways that you express your love for your brothers and sisters here at Ebenezer. Is it obvious to you? Would it be obvious to somebody watching you that your love comes from God? That is to say that your actions towards others would not even be possible if it wasn't supernatural, if it wasn't from God. Or in your own life, are you pretty much like the world around you? Do you only love and care for those who are like you, for those who are lovable, for those who are for whom it is easy to love? Or is your love for others so bold, so free, and so generous that it is not humanly possible, but that it's clear that it comes from God? I know that there are a lot of people in this church who I've experienced, the love that they have for me and the love that I've seen them have for others, that you look at it and you say, that is from God. When we think about the life of our church community here at Ebenezer, would those who observe Ebenezer as a community say about this church, they love one another so much and in such a way and in such a unique way that their love must come from God? Because I've never seen anything like that before. Ebenezer, I challenge you and I pray for you that your love may abound for one another, that your love for one another would increase more and more and you would learn about this kind of love that the Bible speaks about. In order to be the kind of person who loves like this, in order to be the kind of congregation that expresses this kind of love for others, that can only be done if you are a people who seek and love God first. You can only become this kind of loving person. You can only become a congregation who loves one another in this way if you seek God first. Seek Him who is love. Our culture that we live in has shrunken our hearts so much that we are not capable of loving in this self-sacrificing way that I've described. Our life in the world shapes us to live for self-interest, shapes us to be selfish. There's nothing about our life in the world that will teach us how to live lives of self-sacrificial love for one another. You will only learn that by coming to know and love God. The God who is love and who showed us what love truly is by sending his son for us. Love comes from God. If we are going to love others in this way that I've described, in this bold and unique and upside-down way, it will only come by seeking God, by coming to know him, and by allowing his love to fill you so that it may overflow into others. It is through that relationship with God, that relationship with God that shapes our heart to be this kind of loving people. Our shrunken hearts have to be reshaped by God to have this capacity to love as he loves. Love comes from God. We cannot just will ourselves to do this. We cannot will ourselves to love others in the way that Christ loved us. It is a supernatural work that must be done in our hearts. And so if you desire to be a truly loving person, one of another, a person of true love, a person who loves as Christ loves, then you must be a person who first seeks him, comes to know him and the love that he has for you and for others. Seek him 
and he will make you this kind of person. Seek him as a body, and he will make you this kind of people. He will teach you how to love others, even those in your life who seem unlovable, even those in your life who may even be your enemies. Seek him, know him, allow his love to fill your life, and you will, over time, become a loving person who is able to live a life of self-sacrifice for others. I challenge you with this today, because as Ebenezer looks into God's future for you, it will be important for the congregation to know how to love one another and how to love your neighbors in this way. Because God has put you in a particular place, in a particular time here at this church. The people that God has for you to reach will be people who are most likely not very much like you. It will be people who it will be difficult to love, not because they're necessarily difficult people, but because they're different, and they're going to be cultural and ethnic barriers for you to cross in order to love them. And so you must learn to love from God, who is love, and who loves these people who are coming to you. My prayer for you and my challenge to you is this. Love God and love each other. You will not be able to overcome all of these obstacles and these barriers on your own. God's love must fill you. Seek him. Come to know him and love him, and he will fill you with his love that will overflow into the lives of others. So I pray that your love will abound, that it will increase more and more and more for God and for one another. And I pray that he will complete this work that he has begun in you until the day that he returns again. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to be like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you would give us the ability and the strength and the courage to seek you with all of our hearts. And Lord, that as we seek you, that you would make us a people of your love. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.